This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, I'm Grongy McGuire, and this is Chantelle Fiducci and Pete. Hello. Bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania, how are you? I've got huge exciting news which I don't think you know about. Oh shit, straight in, okay. You know how our (laughs) listeners are the ultimate girls girls. Yes I do. They have our back, they scrap for us. They look after us, they hold our hair back as we puke, and they, do. they leave iTunes reviews. Ooh, well done, listeners. I do not know about this. I'm going to read out the review, so I'm going to need you to go instinct, and then... So yeah, we're going to speed through this, guys. Instinct, and then set them up with the celebrity couple. Shit, okay. So we've got Anna RR. She says she's very impressed by our near encyclopedic knowledge of celebrities. We could be scientists, Chantel. It's right. If only right. science was as a is interesting then I can afford my rent every month but oh well (laughs) (laughs) she says uh, she loves listening to the podcast the celebrity couple she and I agree this is an amazing couple Orson Welles and Rita Hayworth oh that is a good one that is a good one both have a lot to work with as well oh poor Rita my god Mm. amazing couple and also Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. I'm waiting to get a Taylor Swift episode. There's a lot of Taylors to go through. There's I mean, so we could much do to a do Taylor with Taylor Swift season. We could we do could a Taylor do a Swift season. season. Literally, we could. So I, I totally agree with you, Anna. So she's got very good taste. Who would her celebrity couple be? Um, I'm going off, off the bat. I'm just going to give her a uh, very... I'm giving, I don't know why it's in my head, but I'm giving her Christian Bale. Christian Bale? <laughs> I'm giving her Christian Bale. Is that bad? I think Christian Bale's really hard. He's very intense. Yeah, but she's very intellectual. He's she's into the classics. You know, I think Christian Bale would love Orson Welles, and um, he's a hard worker. Who doesn't like a hard worker? Okay, amazing. So we've got another review from Rosie Wu. Again, incredible couple choices. I swear, just when you think, oh, how many couples are there? Bam! You're like, oh my god, we haven't even tip of the iceberg so far. Tip of the iceberg. So nineties iconic couple. Liam Gallagher and Patsy Kensett Huge. or Nicole Appleton. Huge. Both. Happy with both. And I then, prefer Nicole Appleton, actually. Go on. This classic couple, Ava Gardner and oh, Frank Sinatra. I mean, you know my thoughts. If we do Frank and Ava, I, I, I please give it to me to research because as a Frank fan, I've, actually, no, don't because then I can prove my knowledge on Frank. Actually, don't. So I'm dying for a Frank one, even though I do feel for Grainer's research when it comes to Sinatra and the Mafia and Kennedys. <laughs> I feel for you. That's going to be like a five-parter. <laughs> Um, so let's see. So she's nineties and like 90s. golden Hollywood. Um, I'm going to give her Jake Gyllenhaal because ah. I feel like he's a bit of old blue eyes himself. 
Yes, and he can sing. And he can he's sing. He's a good singer. Yep. He can sing. He can do. He's a bit of a triple threat. He can dance as yeah. well. So she likes Frankie. She'll like him. And she can meet Maggie Gyllenhaal. Do you know what I'm saying? And then she, she can find Taylor's nice. scarf and then we're back to Taylor again. Oh. <laughs> and then the final review from Lottie Langs. She's a big fan of the podcast and she says she came across it because me, Gronya, uh, plugs it on every podcast that I'm a guest on. Well done, Gronya. Did you hear that, producers? She's doing her bit. The hustle is real. It's paying off. She likes the 90s and noughties nostalgia of it all. Okay. Oft forgotten, but if you're into the 90s nostalgia, I think you might be, a, you might, I think, be a fan of him. Um, sort of late 90s, early 2000s vibes. How about a little Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh, where is he now? Precisely. Where is he now? What happened to him? Oh my God, adorable, those cheekbones. He's right? me. Those little puppy dog eyes. And I love a triple initial, as I, as you know, because oh. of mine. So I'm a big fan. And then, sorry, final, one more review, sorry. It's from Kit Kat's pod. She, first of all, okay, this is information for when you're putting it together with somebody. She right. is a Scorpio. Okay, right. So she's evil. So okay. she's spicy. We like even our evil fans. Her. We're into it. Okay. So she would like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to pronounce these names wrong. She'd love to hear an episode on Alexis Bledel and Milo Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very... In their Gilmore Girls days. Yep. And Scott Disick and Kourtney mm. Kardashian. Of course, Scott. That is going to be a big one, Scott oh. and Kourtney. Now with Kravis. So okay, she so likes really some kind of, she likes kind of a modern vibe, I feel like. Mm. We're going she's modern. an edgy, modern girl. But she's a Scorpio. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is a tough one now. Who's a modern guy who can kind of take it, I think? I know he's not known as a super, super bad boy, but he's got a bit of an edge to him, I think. is um, He's a bit older. Is actually Matthew McConaughey. Oh. He's got a bit of an edge to him. He drinks a little. He smokes a little. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He and he's unbelievably hot. He ages like a Chanel suit, you know? Oh. And he'd be like, hey, 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 my little Scorpio queen. Yeah. Let's a smeak, smoke some weed and play yeah, our, exactly. the mongols. I know she's a Scorpio, but she's my gal. You know, he'd say something like that. God, I'm actually sweating from the stress of thinking of all those people. That was a lot. But honestly, I cannot tell you, thank you so It makes my day. It it's makes an embarrassing day. amount. Yeah, oh, please, boy. please continue. Please give us reviews. It helps us as well. The more reviews we get, the better we can do. And then the more money we can get to get more guests. <laughs> Speaking of glamorous, incredible guests. Mm-hmm. This week's guest, he is a little hottie. He is so brilliant. And oh my God, he was expensive. But we got the budget together and we booked him. We did it. Get ready for the fabulous Will the, the way, way they, they were. Hello. Hi, Will. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Will. So we're so happy to have you on the podcast. Having me, guys. So you've hinted, so you've got an incredible couple, which Chantel doesn't know, but you hinted in our pre-chat that there was another couple that you nearly wanted to talk about. It was Joey Essex and Samantha Fires. Oh, which was Samantha? Fa- oh, Samantha Fairs from Tally. Fairs, sorry, yeah, yeah maybe I'll get that wrong. I did a photo shoot with them when they were um going out together, and there was yeah, he was a. I liked Joey a lot. He was really like enamored with her. That that was like a real deal. Well, from him, it definitely was. He was really. I have a lot of time for Joey. I think, he, I think he's a really swell guy. <laughs> I really liked him. So I would have loved them. Great couple lovely. choice. He really is. I he's was... really like. 
intelligent in his own way as well. He kind of thinks just about things differently than everyone else does. I'm a big fan. I really love that show. That was like, when they were going out, I think it was like series two. That was like my peak Towie years. Mm. And so I nearly went for them. I think it's fair to say quite quite a different couple, I guess, in the end. They were the Joey and Sam of their time. Let's okay. leave it at that. Yeah. We'll, we'll give yeah. you that, that, that teaser. Um, okay. But, Until that but... should be enough as far as clues go. To get, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more questions. <laughs> then this couple will meet you. Sam and Joey of their time. I know it's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But before we go to your to your couple, we're quite we're a, a romantic podcast. We celebrate love. We love love. Are you? Do you consider yourself a romantic person? Yes, I do. I think I'm very romantic, actually. I really remember about like seventeen, me and my friend, and she'd had boyfriends, and I'd never been in a relationship at this stage. We were talking about, you know, like she was like, oh, "What are you most looking forward to?" having a boyfriend or having a, at the time I wasn't out and come out to her, so having a girlfriend. And I was like, oh, I'm most looking forward to it. And I said, I said, writing love letters. And she was like, what on earth are you on about? <laughs> like, that is not what people do with 17. <laughs> most people would say sex. <laughs> have you ever written a love letter though? No, because it's so cringe. <laughs> I have it been is... in relationships, but. You um... have, you should make that a rule for yourself this year. It's only halfway through the year. By the end of the year, write someone a love letter. I promise you, you won't regret it. I promise you. It, it depends. I have to surely get in a relationship in order to make well, that happen. What right? a great way to start yeah, <laughs> with a love a bit, letter. Bit intense. Um, <laughs> that same person, because she was so she that she really she sort of was the one who I would have all my like romance a bit. Oh, what about romance with her? And then I when I did come out to her, she was the first person I told, and it was on the Friday the thirteenth of February. And which was quite an auspicious date to do it. And I had like, yeah. I just happened to be seeing her. And I was like, okay, this has got to be the day. And then we went for dinner and we got back to her house and I was sitting on her bed. And apparently I didn't, I was so nervous. I wasn't really paying attention to this. It suddenly got, she said I was being really quiet and I'm being a bit weird. And then it got to one minute past midnight. And I said, there's something I need to tell you. What I hadn't realized was that one minute past midnight after mm -hmm. Friday the 13th of February is Valentine's Day. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, he's in love with me. And so, <laughs> Arguably, the like the best reaction told coming out was her being like, "Oh my God, phew, thank God!" <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was like, "That is so typical of you, you know." That it's like I, I thought you would be like, "Oh, Valentine's Day is when I will confess my love." So yeah, I am a bit, a bit too romantic of anything. I need to scale it back a bit. No, you don't. Don't say that. Me and Grania would always say, scale it up, go for yeah. it, screw it. Yeah, <laughs> life's too short. The exactly. planet's dying. Enjoy yourself. That's exactly. true. Yeah. Nice way of looking at romance there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you've got an amazing couple, but once again, Chantelle doesn't know who they are. So I've provided a few clues to help her along the way to find them. So your dream couple got together in the wonderful year of 1968. Oh, shit. Okay. 1968, baby. So to get you in the right headspace, it was the year of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The world said, hey Jude, and goodbye to Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy. But a pair of lovebirds that lived in a very fine house together before things sadly turned blue. Ooh. 
I got nothing. <laughs> None of those clues are ringing even the vaguest of bells. Can I just say, I wrote in my head, not wrote, but I was thinking about in my head what you might say, Grania, and your final oh, line yes. was exactly, you know, I thought, like, <laughs> if it doesn't end on that, then something's gone wrong. So, yeah. blue. <laughs> I was lost. Are they, is it, are they musicians? Is anyone a musician in this? Are they both musicians? We can say they're both musicians. I presume they're definitely British. Mm. Are they not British? Is one of them? No well, one's British. One of them was born in the UK. Is the other one from from America or from the other continent or Europe or something? So one has sort of a, 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 a dual citizenship dual. and one, one, I will say her passports oh. is American. But her are we allowed to say that she is not herself American? Yeah. Is she, Oh my god. god it, actually, we've made it sound like a riddle now. <laughs> this really <laughs> is. And find, I'm trying, it's the fine day in the blue when you're both into this blue. Are they singers? Is one of the, are they both singers? They're both singers. Oh, Will, god. do you have, is there another clue? Would you yeah, imagine? I think we have one more to go and then I have to give up. So a lot of people think she's American. Why would they okay. think she, where, where might she come from that people could Well, yeah, I, I, figured, I figured Canada. Right. So she's Canadian, I presume, right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and sort of, I'm gonna go oh. out there and say maybe the biggest Canadian artist, like one of the, she's one of like the big players in Canadian music. Is she Joni Mitchell? Yes. Yes. So okay, so we've got Joni Mitchell, and then who yeah. did she get to from? Um, who was she with from England? I don't know who the English guy is. I um, think you have to give it to me, is it for the sake of? So I'll give you fifty percent. You got oh. good. At, so it was Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash. Graham Nash. Okay. Graham Nash. We say Graham, you say Graham. Get used to that. Oh, Nash of Crosby, Stills and Nash? Crosby, Stills. I don't think I knew that he was from the UK. <laughs> I think I was listed in my head as one of the American ones she went out with. So that's the big, that's how you know what a big fan of that band I am. <laughs> Great choice, though, Joey. Really, really they were good a big choice. one as well. I do know they were a big one. This is great. Oh, I love it, Will. I'm very excited. So, well, why, well, apart from when you got past. Joey Essex and Sam Fair, who are the Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash of the mid noughties Why? Yeah. What was it? What What was it about this couple that you find so interesting? Well, I know this is kind of maybe contentious, but arguably this breakup kind of inspired Blue, the album, which I do think is, you know, it's not a controversial thing to say. It's one of the one of the all time great albums, if not maybe the best breakup album ever. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's very very good, and I I listened to that loads like growing up and I as you know I love Joni Mitchell and also just because like I I strongly believe that me and Joni would be friends if only we'd met and part of me hopes she's sort of like sitting in her house in Laurel Canyon or wherever she is now mm. does a bit of you know self-googling as well uh, hey I do it I wouldn't blame her <laughs> and she might come across this podcast and think oh you know in in my remaining years which we hope are many but might be few I don't know uh as you say she lived a life have him around for tea or something so basically this is a kind of uh, a long-winded way of becoming friends with her you know if nothing else comes from these podcasts if you end up with being Joni Mitchell's life partner yeah in her autumn years we will our work will be done yeah we've succeeded we've succeeded yeah god do you think I'm sorry, I got so into that. I was like, do you think there's a chance that not just friends, maybe we could cohabit? I mean, yeah. you, for the listeners I at mean, home, you know, like Will's eyes literally glazed over there. It's like, God, yeah, that could really, you can sort of imagine it. I could pack it. I could be packed in a day, guys. I could do it. Oh my God. I've, I've thought so many times about 
our friendship. This sounds insane. I just think, you know, we get on. We've got similar interests. We both like her music, for one. And, you know, she's a very good painter. Uh, yep. I like paintings. I can't paint. Uh, she can paint me. And there's lots of, we, we get on well. And, you know, I want it to happen now. I well, want it to happen now. Mentally, I'm in California. Yeah. And the thing about Jodie Mitchell is, and doing this research, she will dish the dirt. You, like Joni Mitchell with a glass of wine in the kitchen, sat down with a cigarette. She will tell you what went down. She's not mincing words. She sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, so let's do a little bit of a deep dive. So before any, we go any further, I know what you're thinking. Sure. But what about the star signs? Well, <laughs> we have that covered. So Joni Mitchell, she now. Okay, Chantal, what do you think her star sign is? And when I say she's trouble. Is it Scorpio? She's Scorpio. Now, Scorpios historically have been the spiciest star sign. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's a red flag, but... She had a lot of paramours. It explains that. Let's, yeah, Chantal, let's bring back the word paramour. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been on the shelf for too long. <laughs> oh I'm going to do that next time paramour. I'm on like a hinge date. That's me meeting my paramour. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Off to meet my paramour down the club. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a Scorpio Graham Nash Aquarius Oh nice star sign Good one They're okay, nice Nice dreamy So Will What do you think The stars above Or the website Star sign compatibility Whichever way you want to refer to it Give percentage wise Scorpio and Aquarius As a match well, I've listened to this podcast A fair bit And they're almost never good, are they? <laughs> they never say, oh, you know what? Great, you guys are going to get on famously. Um, so I'm going to go with 16%. Wait, oh, my God. Was... He said 16. 16, 19. okay. 19%. But... God, not a big difference. Um, I'm going to go... It's going to be less than 20. I mean, I think you are right. Uh, and I do know, from what little I do know, I know these guys weren't... They, they burned strong but fast basically so i know i know this was it inspired a... such a famous breakup album it's not going to be anything above 50 right that's right exactly exactly i'm <laughs> going to say um i'm going to give them a little bit more hope though i'm going to say 42 percent. 42 percent. okay well the results are in they said contact between a scorpio that's Joni, and an aquarius graham can be truly intense it is very difficult for these partners to find a balance of passion, emotion and rational thinking. As two fixed star signs, they will most certainly have trouble changing their natures and adjusting to a partner that is too different from them. Mm -hmm. 40%. I was close. I was close. But you were right you were, about you below 50. Closer. You knew about below 50. Yeah. You knew yeah. it was, they, they, didn't even have, they, didn't, they literally didn't stand half a chance. Literally. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> So Joni obviously was born in Canada. Her dad was in the army, so they moved around quite a bit. Now, a big moment in her early development was when she was young, she developed polio. Uh, so that meant she was hospitalized for weeks on end. Apparently her parents, she had to be quarantined. Her parents didn't really visit her. And it was during this time that she, because her arm was quite weakened by it. So she learned to play guitar with her left hand, which oh, is wow. how how she developed sort of the, the, the chord structures that were quite unique. I did not know that. Sound. That's so interesting. And what's so funny is apparently in some interviews, she says she invented those chords and people were like, you didn't. <laughs> 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 no, maybe she did. <laughs> Let her I have think it. she did. Let her have it. 
Joni, if you're listening, I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) So then she started playing guitar. She was very interested in art. Then she, uh, she's growing up in Calgary. And then when she was a teenager, she discovered she was pregnant by an ex-boyfriend in 1964. She said later, he left me three months pregnant in an attic room with no money and winter coming on and only a fireplace for heat. The spindles That's so poetic already. Oh, it gets Jeez. better. It gets better slash it gets worse. The spindles of the banister were gap-toothed. Fuel for last winter's occupants. Oh, Joni. She brought the drama. Everything. Yeah. It's so cool. Big time. Oh, image, lyrics. Gorgeous. So she gave birth to a baby girl in 1965, but she placed the daughter up for adoption. Then she met a New York born songwriter called Charles Scott Mitchell and he basically was like oh you're amazing let's move to America I'm going to make you a star we're going to be so famous we're going to be stars together so she traveled with him they got married she said I made my dress and bridesmaid dresses we had no money I walked down the aisle brandishing my daisies Oh, of course it was daisies. Of course mm. it was daisies. What other flower would it be for Joni Mitchell? Brandishing, quite an aggressive word for it. Though. Yeah, that's a little hint of what's to come, I think, for this marriage. Yeah. yeah. So she moves to New York. She's with this guy who she's got married to, who's also a musician. Her friend's not a fan. Not a fan of her husband. This is what Joan Baez said about him. She said, my first thought was, you got to get rid of this guy. Is that your Joan Baez? <laughs> That's my Joan Baez. <laughs> it's like she's in the room. Honestly. <laughs> so uh, she, she said that the relationship was just a marriage of convenience. And she said that he promised to help her get her daughter back. And he never did. So then the partnership ended and they divorced in 1967. But or, or then she'd moved to New York. She'd established herself. She was part of like the New York folk, hipster, living her best life dream. And this is what she said about the first split. She said, there's an old saying. It says, if you make a good marriage, God bless you. If you make a bad marriage, become a philosopher. So I became a philosopher. There you go. Yeah, sorry, we're actually talking about Joni Mitchell, the philosopher, not the singer, in case anyone <laughs> yeah. was singer, by the way, yeah. confused. Very yeah. different. She just, she basically just has a really great time she is <laughs> this is a list of Joni's uh, paramours so she was with Leonard Cohen David Crosby Graham Nash who of course we'll get to James Taylor Sam and Sam Shepard and she had a great um, she felt very comfortable explicitly referencing different people in her songs mm. so she walked so Taylor Swift could run oh I mean <laughs> So A Case of You apparently is about Leonard Cohen, Coyote about Sam Shepard, and she really dished the dirt on ex-boyfriends. She Sorry, for a second did... I thought you said Sam Shepard. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> obviously we've got Leonard Cohen, this shepherd guy from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite like, um, quite Joe Bayer. keeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite Joe. Keeping with her vibe, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she spends yeah. one summer in the mountains and things happened. <laughs> <laughs> the 60s if you weren't with a shepherd you weren't there (laughs) Uh, this is how she talked about james taylor she said he was broody moody and incapable of a relationship 
This is what she said about Sam Shepard. For me, on coke, I found him attractive. <gasps> oh, Sam Shepard is gorgeous, Joni. You know it. And so is James Taylor as well. <laughs> so nice try. These are hot men. <laughs> So she's just living 60s dream life. She's in New York. She's vibing. She's having a great time. Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, we get to little Graham Nash. So Graham Nash was born in 1942 in Blackpool. In the early 60s, he co-founds the Hollies. He marries his first wife, Rose, in 1964. But basically, sadly for Rose, he then becomes a very famous and successful. So the marriage ends in 1966 when he was like, peace out, baby. I'm heading to America. I've got 22 year olds to get with, sorry. (laughs) So he's out of there. He's gone. So before Joni was with him, she was with David Crosby. So oh, David I see. Crosby. Okay, this is about to get messy. Okay, this is where it gets a little, a little bit messy. So, David Crosby discovers her, in inverted commas, in New York and brings her to Laurel Canyon because in the 60s, Laurel Women Canyon... Women had to be discovered by men, for starters. <laughs> you couldn't just be a good singer. A man had to <laughs> bequeath upon you the honour of I now say she can sing, world. <laughs> He was, he was like, he Christopher columbus her. He <laughs> Literally. <laughs> In every sense. So uh, whenever I think of, of Laurel Canyon, I always think of Megan Draper in Mad Men. That's my whole Ooh. reference point for Laurel Canyon. I think a very vibey scene. Um, Will, oh, it's you... incredible. It's, so it's 1968. You're in Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. Talk me through it. What's going on? Where are you heading out? Who are you meeting? <gasps> I think in my head, even though they probably all had these massive houses, in my head, Laurel Canyon is like one lovely cul-de-sac. Like, I've thought a lot about Laurel Canyon, and I imagine they all live next to each other. I think it's because of that song, Our House, which is such a sweet song. You don't imagine it being this kind of mansion. You imagine it just being this little cottage. And so we're all neighbours. Every night, we're heading to someone's house for some kind of party, which involves some kind of festivities that may or may not be uh, drugs. I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing, I think drugs were a big part of the scene, right? I think we, I think we're enough at a distance from that period in time that we can yeah. say. Yeah, I think we can was, officially say people then worth, did drugs. Yeah, yeah <laughs> drugs in Laurel Canyon in the It might get me fired from my, um, from my moonlighting job I do as, as, as Joni Mitchell's lawyer. But uh, <laughs> that aside, I think I can say, well, you know, she already admitted she, she, she fancied, who was it she fancied on Coke? It, she only yeah, uh, fancied Sam Shepard because she Shepherd. was on Coke. Wow. But yeah, so I'm imagining there's going to be lots of that. And well, I think a lot of singing as well, which sounds lovely, but I think, and I love all these people and they're all amazing singers, but I think even the best, it would get quite annoying. You'd be like, can we yeah. just do a film? You know, be instead of like, it oh, I've got a, a demo out. I'm imagining lots of, you know, um, guitars and what they called Appalachian dulcimers, though the yeah. instrument she played. I think it's it's somewhere you want to go for a holiday, maybe like dip in and out of the scene. But I think, um, yeah, could have been quite intense. I mean, I said yeah, that's I can't there. sing. But I think yeah. living there would be quite, would be quite. Do you ever go to like a music festival and the tent next to you brought like banjos and a guitar? Yeah. And the first night at dusk, you're like, oh, this is so great. And they're singing along. And then like by Sunday, you're like, okay, guys, yeah. time to put away the fucking banjo. And you, yeah. you smash it over their tent and say, oh my God, who broke your banjo? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no, I didn't see anything, man. It's that vibe. Yeah. I can, and yeah. for me, I don't know something about Laurel Canyon. I don't know about you, Will. But whenever I imagine it, it's always either sunrise or sunset. It's 
never like mm. broad. It's never blistering never heat of LA sun. It's yeah. always like the sun's going down and it's all dusky and vibrant. The sun's just coming up, man. But it's like the blistering hot sun of the day, which is obviously the majority of the time. I just ignore that in my fantasy. It's always like them around. Okay. So it's like fire and glowing lights and everything. Well, those photos are black and white. What we can't see is they're all so badly sunburned. Like they're all <laughs> sweating bullets. They're all like peeling. They're really not happy. They're sweating. <laughs> also, yeah, I completely, that really annoys me at festivals when people bring their own instruments as if like, <sighs> as if it's one of those things like, you know when your parents tell you at like 16 to get a job and they're like oh just go around the pubs and hand in your cv and they'll like you know show your face is it like that i think these people think it's like a glastonbury like if i just turn up on the pyramid stage with my banjo yeah. Be like, yeah, we can fit you on. They'll be walking by and Paul McCartney will be like, but what have we done? We need bongos for the set to go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, always, it's always just a normal guitar. And you're like, as if they've been like, we forgot about the bloody guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Joni has arrived in Laurel Canyon. She's been discovered by David Crosby. And apparently she found it really annoying that he was like, oh yeah, I discovered her. So... They were sort of seeing each other and then Crosby took up semi-permanent residence at an old girlfriend's house. And Joni... Sorry, I was expecting that to be like a visa situation. <laughs> <laughs> semi-permanent residence in the UK. Oh no, his exes. <laughs> oh God, they, they would do that, the boys back then. Yeah. And then I was like, oh no, man, don't be, don't be such a crazy cat. I'm just hanging around. Yeah. I'm just living there, man. It's just, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing anything. You're still my woman, all this crap. You're my woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the most 60s sentence ever and I absolutely love it. When she found out that David Crosby was seeing his ex-girlfriend, she was absolutely raging and she confronted David Crosby at a party held at the Monkeys' Peter Tork's house. Of course she did. Of course. Yeah, I feel like everything that happened at a party at LA always happened at some like lead singer of a band's house. Yeah. It never happened at like, oh, Dave just owns property in the area. Yeah. Like, he was never at the party. But the best thing is, even if the, it's a story about having a nice time at a party in LA, there's always a twist at the end. They're like, we had a brilliant time. And then we found out the other party we were supposed to go to was the Manson party. <laughs> yeah. <house>. Always. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've been skirting around the Manson word there. But what we mean is that um, they were all chilling and making music and singing. And then also there was a murderer. <laughs> was he around? He was around that time, wasn't he? He was no, around. He, was, he would have still been making music around that time as well. So he, he, he may have been at this party. He, he may have been at the monkey's house party. Yeah. Well, so this is how she dealt with the fact that David Crosby was seeing a, a girl behind her back. This is Crosby's, this is his version of events. She came up to him and said, I've got a new song. Then she played the song about... The Midway, which has references to a man's sky-high harmonies and the way she caught him cheating on her more than once. And there is no question about the subject of the song. It was a very goodbye David song and she sang it while looking right at me. It was like she was saying, did you get it? I'm really mad at you. And if she wasn't making her point enough by singing a song about him cheating on her to him while making eye contact with him, she then sang it again. 
So she sang, she sang it twice in a row. Twice in a row. <laughs> oh, God. I think we were right about the bit about these parties getting a bit much with all the singing. <laughs> this is the part where me and Will be like, we're going to go, guys. Thanks for having us. No, that's a third time. <laughs> was Nash at this party? No, he wasn't at the party. He's not he wasn't here. He wasn't at the scene yet. He's okay. not here. He doesn't know David Nash. He's still with the Hollies on tour. Okay. But all of that is about to change. So we go to Ottawa in... 1967 the Hollies were playing a show there and Joni was playing at a local club and there was a part so this is Graham Nash telling this story there was a party thrown for us after a show and when I entered the room I noticed a beautiful woman sitting down with what appeared to be a large bible on her knees I kept staring at her and her manager at the time was saying something into my ear and distracting me from my quest I asked him to be quiet as I was checking Joni out. He said, if you'll just listen to me, I was trying oh, to sorry. tell you that she wants to meet you. That seems insane. Like, it's like when your mum asks you to like, turn the radio down so she can see the roads better when she's driving. It's like, do you, is, is silence a prerequisite for being horny? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Joni... going wrong. <laughs> there's Joni Mitchell in the Staring 60s. At her, like, Shh, I'm trying to look. <laughs> She was a whole package, a lovely, sylph-like woman with a natural blush, like windburn. Well, that's, that's the sunburn we discussed earlier on, but okay, you want to call it windburn, whatever, whatever floats your boat, pal. And I don't know what elusive... windburn is, but I wouldn't, it, it's not the first point of comparison yeah. I'd love to be made. <laughs> that's, be... She, I think he's kind of negging here, to be honest, if I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like a windburn like girly. <laughs> and an elusive quality that seemed to be lit from within. So he goes over to talk to her and she says, I know who you are. That's why I'm here. Oh, nice. Well, then you know you're in. I'm me. Joni says that. Joni says that. The race is off. Joni's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. No surprise. So the two got talking and then they quickly, and they quickly found themselves back at her hotel. That, that always happens. I'm always finding myself back at a guy's hotel. Yeah. It happens all the time. There was a fire roaring and incense burned in ashtrays dotted around the room. So do you think she had set what the scene up? This? <laughs> what hotel is yeah, fires I mean, and incense? Sounds... Nash described it as a seduction scene extraordinaire. She picked up a guitar and played me 15 of the best songs I've ever heard. <laughs> That's Fuck way off. too many songs Shut for a first day. Shut up. Fresh, by number, 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 like, number 12, you're like, oh, I think we've, we've heard the album. Let's, uh... And also, could, was the fire roaring the whole time? Was he going out? I have to get some logs. Keep going. No, no, don't, don't stop for me. And he we know like, come he back famously... in with wood. <laughs> well, he didn't come back in with wood because he famously hey. needs silence to be horny, as we learned earlier. He's like, you stop long... with a guitar. I'm trying to fancy Ow. you here. Jesus. How long? I mean, that was. I'm just doing the the mental math in my head. We're talk, that must be at least like about two hours. I'm guessing. Yeah. That's not I'm sure her songs were about, <laughs> yeah. her songs were about five six minutes long. So yeah, about. Oh two yeah, hours they're not like talking. they're not like those like you know two minute radio. Yeah, edits. it's not. She's, do you think? Do you think she did the chat between as well, like at a festival? Like, thanks so much for coming, <laughs> Graham. <laughs> so this next song is actually one of the new ones. I hope you like it. Yeah. That special He's someone like, out there. The <laughs> <laughs> and since. Um, her, her, her songs are so autobiographical. A lot of them will be like about like, oh, he was a shit and oh God, that prick I dated. 
yeah, it's, the pressure to be good in bed after hearing these songs of like, God, right? what's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very intimate, very intense experience. Do you think, I mean, Will, do you ever, do you think that could be a seduction technique? Like if you bring a guy back to, you find yourself in a hotel room with this guy that you like, you've got the fire burning, you've got the incense lit. Do you think like Club 20 or like just straight at him? <laughs> Preview for an Edinburgh show. Yeah, I think one of those in those situations, like I, I kind of get that thing of like I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'd be quite nervous about, especially first time with someone new, especially already we're burning candles in a hotel room, and I'm already thinking about the guy from the lobby coming up and screaming. But <laughs> like, I'm, I'm risk assessing the situation in my head, so that's stressful enough. So I kind of, I maybe she was just procrastinating the sex. Maybe she thought, look, can we just. You know, maybe just get the album out of the way and then we can... Maybe she was trying to get him to leave. <laughs> she's like, surely <laughs> yeah. he won't stay for this, surely. And like song number 10, she's like, he's still... F- I can't believe he's still fucking here. I'll do, I'll do the long one. And she just kept... She's like, After 15, she's like, oh, all right, guess, all right, so I guess we'll have sex then, I guess. We have to now. You've stuck around this long. <laughs> so I wonder he- how he responded. I wonder if he was really like... That's positive and enthusiastic, whether he... I think you've got to be in that situation, don't you? You can't, you can't shag someone seconds after saying oh, i didn't really like track number four you know <laughs> yeah. you've got to be positive well he was impressed he says it was magical on so many different levels obviously i fell <laughs> he's in talking love. about the shagging isn't he it's about the sex, <laughs> yeah. <so>. yeah <laughs> i fell in love right there and then she touched my heart and soul in a way that had never been touched before wow i'll be honest i didn't think that was going to end with soul same. My heart and what? <laughs> oh, well, that's quite lovely. But now, weirdly, such an intense experience. You think, oh, then they get together. They didn't. So she went back on the road. He went back on the road. They went their separate ways, and she moved back in or was living briefly with Leonard Cohen in Chelsea until later that year. Their paths that's like crossed... an in between bit of like, <laughs> and then also she was like uh, with Leonard Cohen. But back to <laughs> well, that's insane. <laughs> Where were they? Were they in New York at the time? So that was New York. That was Chelsea, New York, late 60s, as you do. But she heads back to Laurel Canyon. She's at uh, Crosby's house. So obviously she's sort of like, you know, he he dumped me or was cheating on her. But then she got a song out of it. So I think maybe that sort of eased. Is she playing the song again for a third time? (laughs) This went down pretty well, actually. Remember this? So they their paths cross again at a party David Crosby was hosting, appearing out of nowhere from amongst the scenes of colourful hedonistic abandon. She took Graham Nash by the arm and said, come to my house and I'll take care of you. He moved in straight away. That was oh my it. Goodness. So what year is this? Is it, this is 68. This is 68. Okay. So they are, now they're living together. Love's now young dream is happening. They are living together. So, okay. Will, we're at peak Joni and Graham. It's 68. You get a phone call saying, hey, come around to our house. We're having a party. What do you imagine a night out with Joni and Graham being like? Well, the only kind of reference point we have for this, I think, in sort of documented history is the song Our House, which is about their their shared house. And far from the kind of crazy parties and drugs, it's all about cats and candles and things. <laughs> they, God, they love a candle. And the the my anxiety is not compatible with, <laughs> with open fires in heavily furnished rooms. 
but I feel like, yeah, maybe it'd be quite tame. Maybe there'd be that couple who's like at nine o'clock, like, oh, we're tired, let's go to bed. I think in reality, probably, it'd be a lot of fun because I think I think there'd be a lot of a lot of like cool things. I'm imagining their house is full of like Joni's paintings. I don't know what Graham's thing, whether he was into. Lots, I imagine lots of rugs as well, lots of rugs and, and lots rugs. of um, lots of wall hangings, you know, fabrics hanging on the hangings. wall. Yes, again, the candle, that situation mm. stresses me out even more now. Yep. Now I know there's wall hangings. Um, also, <laughs> I'm imagining kind of wooden carvings. Definitely. Not that and they've no, made, like, but that they've, they've bought somewhere. No ceiling lights, just like lamps and candles. Yeah, no lights, exactly. So they had a very idyllic time together when they were together. So he wrote music. Joni Mitchell was doing her visual art. And apparently nothing could break this intense bond the two songwriters shared. So it was an incredibly creative period for them both. One day, Mitchell was gathering flowers in the garden and sensing a songwriting opportunity. Nash captured this little domestic moment and wrote the famous song, Our House. Our house is a very, 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 very fine house with two cats in the yard. Life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. She wrote, my old man. He's my sunshine in the morning. He's my fireworks at the end of the day. He's the warmest chord I ever heard. Play that warm chord. Play and stay. Aww. But of course he didn't stay. (laughs) Because this this doesn't end that way. I wouldn't wouldn't want... Someone, because they were roughly the same age, I think, right? And it was maybe yeah. like a year between them. Someone wrote a song about me called My Old Man. I'd be like, oh, right, That's mate. just the word they used back yeah. then. That's just the no, word they used back then. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. Also, very 60s. The, um, very 60s. Our house thing of like them gathering the flowers and stuff. It's so, it, I think that song is such a beautiful song, but he needed to write some more lyrics than putting very in there as many times as they did <laughs> is it six berries or something it's like we get it it's a nice it's a nice house it's a very fine um should we think about something else in this line about the flowers about the, the wall hangings very 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 fine <laughs> how nice is it it's very 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 <laughs> very nice <laughs> i love it it's a beautiful song so they were very happy together but then cracks began to emerge Sad to say. Quick question: How long did they move it? How long had they been together when they moved in? Well, so uh, from his account, he met her at the party, and she was like, yeah. "You're coming home it's... with me." And that's it. They moved. It feels in. like quite an intensely early days to move it, like to share a house and two cats. Yeah, they moved fast. When? How long were they together before stack, uh, crack started to appear? I, I mean, they were together just for two years altogether. Okay, all right. So it I was very. It's not the not the longest of the of, of the. Uh, That's, those are my what... favorite ones that pack in a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. So they moved in together, meet the party, move in together. Really creative. They're like staying up all night partying, writing songs, but they start talking about marriage. So this is the first sign of tension. And I can understand this because we all know, like, it was all like the 60s and free love and everybody's brilliant, but it was still was like men in the 60s. And Graham Nash was like, this like Liverpudlian, from, oh, sorry, he's from Blackpool, but he's like of a certain era and it's like free love, but still. Anyway, so this is what he says about it. I always believe that somewhere in Joni's mind, she thought that I would demand that of her. 
that, you know, the whole traditional, the wife stays at home, which is completely false. How the hell could anybody have a, with a brain say that to Joni Mitchell? Why don't you just cook? So even though we talked about marriage, I think the reality of it from Joni's point of view was very scary. Mm. So she, he says... I don't know where she got this idea that I had this traditional view of marriage and gender roles and that my career would take precedent over her. That's crazy. Does the lady protest too much? What do you think? No, not at all. I think uh, there's a really moving quote where she talks about her grandma on her dad's side, I think it is. And she says like about how she, well, you've got, you've got to go on here. So here's what she says. She said, so remember, he's like, oh, why did she, I wonder why she thought I, a man of the 60s, you know, had regressive views about marriage. Here's what she says. I just started thinking, my grandmother was a frustrated poet and musician. She kicked the kitchen door off the hinges on the farm. I thought about my paternal grandmother who wept for the last time in her life at 14 behind some barn because she wanted a piano and said, dry your eyes, you silly girl. You'll never have a piano. And I thought maybe I'm the one that got the gene that has to make it happen for these two women. As much as I loved and cared for Graham, I just thought I'm going to end up like my grandmother, kicking the door off the hinges. You know what I mean? It's like, I better not. But it broke my heart. Oh, good for oh. her, though. Early, early, a proto-feminist there and good old Joni. Yeah. Also, like, she already been married and that had been by all accounts quite difficult and she mm. you know she was also her name is you know not her the not the surname she was born with it was her married name and so i kind of get being like look i've i've, I've done that now and i want to you know i i can completely see how you can imagine i don't know you can imagine some record exec being like oh they don't want married women being on record whatever totally. so i get entirely i don't think she's protesting too much at all i think uh, i'm very glad she resisted marriage also doesn't end well uh this this relationship so you know would have been costly from a legal perspective exactly imagine that the lawyers fees they might never have been blue they might never have been any of the later albums so they're still together but it's a bit tense because he wants to get married she's not feeling it so she went off to europe for a bit now this is just from I, this i've only found one version of this account but apparently they the band. So basically, it was her, by the way, who introduced Crosby, Steels, and Nash to each other because mm -hmm. she, you know it was like she must she introduced it. So a few. So Crosby, uh, Steel, is it Steel? It's, it's my stills. brain goes Steels, <laughs> Crosby, Steels, yeah. and Nash. You feel like they could have come up with a with a, just a, a name for the band. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they were. Performing... That must be good. We all know bands don't have to be called good things. Just give them a name. <laughs> There's one band at the time called The Band. I would have done. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. So they went on a short tour in Europe alongside Joni Mitchell. And apparently it all went weird in Copenhagen. So a few days prior, they had played a show in Stockholm. And while on stage, they were talking about politics with a gentle anti-American slant, discussing the Vietnam War and the Kennedy assassination. For some reason, this really annoyed Joni. She was really upset. She was really annoyed. She said to Graham, you keep slagging America off at every opportunity. Why are you biting the hand that feeds you? So a titanic argument ensued, which resulted in Joni Mitchell pouring her bowl of cornflakes and milk over his head. 
Well, if that doesn't teach him nothing well. Yeah. Also, That's I take issue ass. with that quote. There is no way that a Canadian in America at that time was using the word slagging off. So she's definitely been misquoted. I'm just saying. <laughs> we don't have those words in our language. So, yeah. she said, so whoever's, whoever told that quote is lying. She'd <laughs> been some... to London for a visit and it had been influential. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Then apparently things got super weird. There was a maid cleaning the room at the time and she was asked to leave uh, directly from the mouth of uh, soap. Directly from the mouth. This is apparently what happened. Then I put Joni on my knee and I spanked her. And with all due respect, she took it very well. It was over within 30 <laughs> seconds. This was this was my biggest reservation about bringing this couple onto the podcast because that is the most insane detail of a breakup ever. And what's even more extraordinary is, like, <laughs> this is insane that he thought, how relaxed do you have to be in an interview to be like, I'll tell you one thing, and I think you'll find this funny. Me and Joni, it ended in a strange way. <laughs> She, oh, it's so crazy that maybe she thought marriage to him might be a little bit unbalanced. The whole, just the whole thing is crazy. That, and also, like, he admits, and when he tells us, he admits it was like wrong and disgusting and weird and odd and all these things. Tell everyone this. He's a very this will this will be a feature. Graham Nash is very open in interviews. He is a very he's an open book. He's like the open book it that is. was on Jodie's lap when he met her first so um things were a little a a little bit eggy and then after the tour is finished they returned to the u.s so david crosby his one of his ex-girlfriends had died so he was really struggling and in a bad place so to cheer him up they decided to go on this huge big like booze cruise but this like beyond booze cruise where they got on this boat and went on a three thousand mile trip from florida back to san francisco they spent seven weeks at sea with a bottomless supply of weed and coke. Then during a stop in Panama, Joni Mitchell came on board. And before too long, they were arguing once more and it became so fraught that she yelled at him, telling him he hated all women. <laughs> and then apparently things turned ugly in inverted commas. And she left and flew back to L.A. So Graham Nash comes back, gets back to L.A. after his booze cruise. He's on, apparently he was lying alone on the kitchen floor when he received a telegram from Mitchell. Oh, Sent I love from. a telegram. Sent from. Yeah. So he's lying on the kitchen floor and then knock, knock. It's a telegram from Jodie Mitchell. So you should know, just listeners, if you ever get a telegram, it e- either means your husband has died on the front or mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell once again contact. Yeah. Yeah. Two times. Bloody so hope I get... I bloody hope I get a telegram now because either Joni Mitchell wants to get in touch and great, or I find out I had a husband. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. I mean, fucking he's hell. He's a war I'm, hero I'm... as well. So. Yeah, he's died a <laughs> war So he's lying. On, so Graham is lying on the kitchen floor. Knock, knock. It's a telegram from Joni Mitchell. And the telegram just says, if you hold sand too tightly in your hand, it will run through your fingers. Love, Joan. So okay. that's, how she break, that's how she breaks up with lots them. Of decide- and that's it. It's done. That's it. This wasn't actually meant to be a breakup thing. She was like, "Oh my god, I just had this thought. Like, if you hold sand yeah, too tightly, just... <laughs> isn't that insane, Graham?" And then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna write a song. It's all over." Also, Mitchell, she can do no wrong in my eyes. She's my hero, etc. That aside, I think this is. I've, I've heard this quote a number of times before. I think it's wrong. 
I've thought about this a lot. I've actually was at the beach like about a year ago. And I remember thinking about, because it's quite like a well-known thing in like the kind of Joni canon. Um, and I've held sand and I was like, well, no, it's, no, the, the tighter you hold it, really the more secure it is. The more secure the it is, you yeah. Hold sand, then it will slip through your fingers. By the way, a separate point which is relevant is that this was sent from Ibiza, this telegram, which I think is the coolest place. Like, imagine if you're, like, being dumped by telegram. It's like, imagine if you're... This is the 60s equivalent of being sent a drunk text by your boyfriend or girlfriend in Ibiza. Like, it's it's both not cool, but because it's Joni Mitchell, it's A, badass, and B, it's been sent in some sort of riddle about yeah. sand. You have to decipher. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you, so this is the bit, this is the break. So why do you think, what happened? They had such an amazing chemistry together. They, you know, the love they had inspired music that still brings people joy to this day. Why do you think they couldn't make it work? Because they're both devastated. They're both really upset after the breakups. Why do you think, what happened? Oh, it's hard to tell. It could be that there's the you know they got bored of each other's songs could be that one of the cats died could be the fact he asked the maid to leave and then spanked her i don't know i feel like <laughs> if i'm honest i feel like it, it seems at this stage like he was holding her back a bit like she she's doing really well and she's an incredible singer and songwriter and she just needs to fly and he's probably you know not not helping with that yeah, I think they were just too passionate, which happens a lot on this podcast. When they, when they burn bright and fast, there's just too much going on. They spent too many nights up till five a.m. writing songs with each other and thinking about their relationship. To be yeah. a lot of these relationships, when it's like that, it's, it's a bit like Love Island, but for two years you're just sat together every night, just <laughs> thinking about each other and thinking about the relationship. That's all you're doing. And much like a Love Island relationship, it can't you can't sustain that. Once <laughs> you know, eventually you're like, well, I gotta got stop thinking about this fucking relationship. I just want to live my life. And much like Love Island, eventually all contestants realise that if you hold sand too tightly, <laughs> too in your tight, hand... <laughs> it runs through your fingers right into your white, horrible white champagne glass. <laughs> Well, so famously, after the breakup, it inspired incredible music. So in 1951, sorry, 1971, Joni, I love how we're just calling her Joni now. Joni yeah. brought out Blue, which included classics like A Case of You, My Old Man, and the heartbreaker River. And then also, Nash's bandmate, Neil Young, penned the iconic song, Only Love Can Break Your Heart as a way of trying to heal poor Graham Nash's devastation. So all these famous heartbreak songs were inspired by this breakup. So uh, this is what Nash said about Blue. He said, it's by far my most favourite solo album. And the thought that I spent much time with this fine woman and this genius of a writer is incredible to me. He's, and, this is, and then in an interview afterwards, he said, I'm married to this incredible woman right now. So I should say... Uh, this about her but yes in those days Joni was absolutely the love of my life it's Joni Mitchell for fuck's sake look at how she looks to start with then you put all those songs behind that smile I didn't stand a fucking chance but at least he's honest yeah uh, after the splish Joan married Larry Klein but it fell apart after a decade then Graham married Susan Sennett, and she was his wife for 48 years. They had three children together, and then, oh, he went through a bit of a moment, then they divorced, and he got together with a woman 40 years younger than him. 
40 years. His oh. third wife is 40 years younger and none of his children now speak to him anymore. Well, then there you go. <laughs> that is oh, just in, how I thought it a, would. <laughs> in an interview, and now we're asked, back to reality. <laughs> in an interview, he was asked whether he, like, whether he felt okay about this situation. He was like, my sex life is incredible. That was his response. And I was just like, wow, that's quite... Like, <laughs> It's quite impressive. That says everything you need to know. Oh, my kids talk to me. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Um, But, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he's a bit of a fuckboy, isn't he? When you become famous in the 60s, I'm telling you, men in the 60s. They all were. They all were. So, now we've come to the big question. In this split between Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash, who thrived and who simply survived? Well, it's a good question. I think there is an I think there is an answer uh, for me. Well, to, and to be fair, I'll say this: I think Graham would agree, which is because he's been to his credit, he has been very supportive of Joni Mitchell and said he said I think that there's like three artists history will remember, which is Dylan, the Beatles, and Joni. And I think it's you know certainly from where I'm sitting, Joni Mitchell has the one who's thrived, and also I think. To be sincere for a second, I think there's something quite lovely. You know, Blue is a beautiful album, obviously. It's, you know, an album that I think a lot of people have held very dearly to them. And uh, she definitely, like, took a bad situation. She was clearly very in love with Graham Nash, and he was clearly very in love with her, and, like, turned it into something very, very beautiful. But, yeah, I do think, uh, as much as he had a great career, too, after that, I think she's the she's come out on top here. She's it sounds like, winner. you know, she's the winner. I think it's definitely Johnny, without a shadow of a doubt. If not just for Blue alone, obviously that means you're the winner. If the album you come out with is Blue, then you officially just won. So yeah. I, I think, think she, I think it's kind of cut and dry with that. I think she didn't yeah. just win this breakup. I think she has won all breakups. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally. And I think she's argu- it's not even arguably. I think she's definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, definitely way more successful and well known and famous and etc 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 than than he is unfortunately he's still big but she's Joni fucking mitchell so yeah. best of luck bruv yeah yeah she she's the winner it's obvious well uh, speaking of musical icons we now get mm. to our, our final big question from you another big musical icon also who was around in the 60s and probably at many of these parties is unbelievably single now and we don't think she necessarily needs someone that she simply deserves to be loved so can you think of someone who is up to the level of the one, the only, Cher? <laughs> it is insane. Well, on the one hand, it's insane she's single. On the other hand, like 90% of her gigs and her shows are at like gay venues. So yeah, I feel like totally. she's not mixing with the right crowd. <laughs> she's not mixing with the right crowd. <laughs> like, Cher, none of these guys are into you. <laughs> um it's going to be someone she's she's obviously she's got a lot of options right so i reckon it's going to be someone who she's met quite recently because she probably would have like discounted people from her earlier life mm-hmm. what's she done recently what's arguably i think what's she going to be known for forevermore mamma mia 2 here we go again yeah yep. and i see the most natural fit there being colin firth Oh, nice. And yes, he's married and he has wife Oh, no, and we kids always say, we always believe that anyone would step aside for their partner to be with Cher. So, married or yeah. not married is completely irrelevant. Yeah. You I, would step I, aside or join in I, if you could. Um, well, so, I would. Yeah, her I, and Colin you know, Firth, I think that's a really good one. I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Well, I think I'd you, head back in that closet if she propositioned me. Wouldn't I'm he just? You, exactly. Yeah, I'd lock the door. <laughs> I think Colin Firth would be very like, oh, sure. 
I think you look beautiful in anything. Oh, I've said too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Snap out of it. And then we're back to that. We try to make that joke every single week if we can. For our listeners, they know that. That's a great That's choice. So I like good. her and Colin. He's quite mature. Mm-hmm. He's also talented. He's not in the same industry, but similar. So he understands. Oh, I think it's a good match. I like it. Well done. You know, we've talked about a couple that made beautiful art together. Arguably, and I say this including Blue, uh, the album, arguably no finer piece of art has ever been created than Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. Mm-hmm. I think it's a phenomenal film. I watch it so much. I watch Mamma Mia 1 and Mamma Mia 2 whenever I feel sad. And especially in the world we live in today, that's quite a lot. So I know those films very well. And you know, I think you could definitely have, you could have a very happy life reminiscing about the amazing film you made together. Definitely. Christine Bransky calling round. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Julie Walters comes oh. in. Meryl Streep's there. She's dead, but she's there. She's there. <laughs> Great choice. Get married in a pair of matching dungarees. Fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. And um, where can our listeners find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Wilhall Comedy very cringe but annoyingly every it turns out like every third person is called will hall so (laughs) it was either that or like 10 different numbers afterwards so anyway or instagram if they're keen enough the internet will provide if you want to find him you will yeah that's great stuff (laughs) just stay alive thank you so much you just stay alive and you'll get there yeah (laughs) um and if joni wants to find me it's oh seven (laughs) eight Listen, Jody, just contact the pod. We'll pass on his details. We'll put yeah. you in touch. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> you could come on, Joni. This is director Joni here. You could come on as a guest and talk about me and my ex. I'm just thinking, what's what's fair is fair. That seems like a fair trade, right? And that will, oddly enough, get our definite most number of listens. It'll be about your relationship. <laughs> it should be great. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I think they broke up because they just kind of like, well, the phrase we used was we ran out of road. Oh, uh, goodness, she'll steal that for a song. Yeah. You have to hold on to that road. You're holding on to that road too tight. You hold on to it too tight. It went through your fingers. <laughs> yeah, I've always said if you hold on to road too tight, and uh, it'll slip through your fingers. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks so much to Audio Boom for hosting and thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they were. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. 
and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.